All right, my guest today on the A-Game Podcast is Pablo Angel Castro III from Strong Style MMA and Training Center out in uh, Cleveland. It's actually in Independence. He is the head grappling instructor there, and he trains the UFC future Hall of Famer and former UFC heavyweight champ, one of the greatest of all time, Stipe Miocic. He's also an attorney, a prosecutor. He practices a lot of really cool mindset stuff like Wim Hof, and he does a lot of breathing exercises, and he does a lot of challenges for himself for mental toughness. So he shares a lot of things that have helped him get confidence and get persistence and keep a good work ethic on the mats, off the mats, in the courtroom, and gives just good business advice, good life advice, good mental advice for your brain, for your body, healthy mindset. It's just a, a good overall interview for things to take away, whether you are into jujitsu or not. Obviously, we do talk something about jujitsu, but you know, this guy who just puts the work in every day, he doesn't make excuses. He's always trying new things. He's always a student. He's always testing himself. And I think that there's a ton to be learned from that. This guy is strong as a freaking ox. I have trained with him out at his gym and he's uh, beating the crap out of me multiple times, but great guy, great teacher. Um, we've kept in touch. I really enjoy talking to him. Follow him on Instagram too. He's been a lot more active on Instagram lately and he's doing a lot of reviewing on books and he's very he's very layered he's got a lot of depth he's got a lot of intellect he's got a lot of philosophical things that he shares and I really listening like listening to him and his insights so definitely check it out look at the show notes for all the ways to follow him take private lessons with him if you were out in the Cleveland area wanting to train with him and train with Stipe Miocic and some of the uh, other studs they have out there Definitely link up with him for some private lessons. Also, if you are looking to get into real estate, don't forget, let's connect. Whether you want to buy properties from me, sell properties to me, or find a way to partner, whether you're new, experienced, whether you're advanced, you're looking for single family, for rentals, for multifamily, for land development, or you don't even know where you want to start. You just know that you want to make a change in your life so you can spend more time reading books or posting on social media or training on the jujitsu mat to better yourself or just hanging out with your family. There's never been a better time to get involved in real estate. We're doing more deals than ever. So please, let's link up. You can go on nicknick.com slash links, L-I-N-K-S and find all the ways to connect with me on there. And also please subscribe to this podcast there on all platforms. Also, we have a limited time checklist for ways to bring value to your buyers as a real estate agent or wholesaler. So check that out for free right now at nicknicknick.com slash bigger pockets to get that for you for free. Uh, have a great day. Hope you guys enjoy this episode. Pablo Castro, thank you so much. Can't wait to have you on again. Thank you for all the lessons. Hope you guys enjoy this. Have a great day. Welcome to the A-Game Podcast with Nick LaMagna, digging into the minds and experiences of some of today's brightest entrepreneurs in real estate and business, along with Hollywood stars, UFC fighters, and your favorite rock bands, people that have figured out how to overcome obstacles, take chances, live boldly, and no matter what they do, they always bring their A-Game. My guest today on the A-Game Podcast is a licensed attorney, a former prosecuting attorney, and was one of the youngest appointed magistrate judges for the Cleveland Municipal Courts. Hey, grappling Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu instructor for Strong Style Brasa and Strong Style MMA Training Center, home of the greatest UFC heavyweight champion of all time, Stipe Miocic, as well as other UFC fighters. He's a Black Belt World Champion, Pan-American Champion, Mundial Champion, 
and has the World Jiu-Jitsu Nogi Champion as a black belt and completed along some of the biggest names in Jiu-Jitsu, including Gary Tonin and many, many others. Please welcome to the A-Game Podcast, Professor Pablo Angel Castro III. Oh, thank you. Thank you for the invite. And it's, it's, I think it's the second time I've been on here, and I, I, I love, the, I love uh, definitely this podcast. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. I sorry I, I started tripping over the you got a, a bunch of stuff on there that's like touches on all these different things in the intro. It's always the hardest part. I'm, anytime I have to have something like structured, I'm like, ah, I always mess it up. But we can always do it. So it's all good. But you uh you outdressed me today. I tried to represent your gym strong style MMA. I came down. I, 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 have, I have a steep a uh my OSIC, uh, sweatshirt, but uh, I didn't get a chance to change in time and I just <laughs> you know come from work, but I'm still at work. Awesome. Well, that, that's a big thing I wanted to talk about because uh, I was impressed when I came down there how you beat me up and then changed into a tie and then went to work like and started your day. And I'm always impressed because, you know, when I go on the road, like I'll come in, you met me early, which I super appreciate because I do have trouble when I go to different cities for guys getting up and meeting me early. You had no problem, got up, met me, trained with me, rolled with me. And then um, I usually post, I'll say like, hey, you know what? I just trained with Pablo over at Strong Style. I had a great day. If you're in town, come by. And people would be like, oh, man. I don't like getting up at five o'clock in training. It's like, yeah, neither do I, but you know what I mean? Like it's, it's what you do is, is, you know, if you want to get a black belt, if you want to get better, if you want to be a champion in anything, you, you make the time, you know? And I always like the alarm doesn't go off early in the morning and I'm like, yes. And I'm like singing and I'm always like, oh, I want to hit the snooze button. I want to go back to bed, but you don't. So being somebody that has that discipline to be on top, be a world champion, be training world champions, and you're splitting your time. I feel like you take away a lot of the excuses that people lean on for why they can't train or why they can't excel in it. So um, talk a little bit about you. Give a quick uh, 30,000 foot view background on yourself, and then we'll jump into a lot of these little uh, these little nuances I'd love to discuss. Oh, yeah. I, I uh, To say that it doesn't pain me to get up early in the morning uh, when I have to, and, uh, I, I will be lying. Um, I actually, I did a uh, private lesson this morning at uh, six 30 in the morning. So of course I got to get up early just to get ready and get there and get all my stuff for work. Um, and then I had a, uh, a morning docket. A docket is a, when you have a hearing, you have a group of cases. And so, uh, I had a morning docket and then, uh, uh so I had to get there, uh, here early enough so I could hear the cases. So yeah, I have to put everything uh, in between, uh, around my, uh, my dockets, my court hearings. Um, but you know, I think what was the quote I uh, I heard? I, I don't know if it was Nietzsche or some philosopher said that a um, somebody who says they cannot harm anybody is not uh, a peaceful person. It, it, they're harmless. A peaceful person is somebody who has the ability to harm and chooses not to. So in the reverse, I have the ability to stay in bed and, and I have the ability to. Just, you know, maybe uh, do it on a different time or, or, or maybe do a different path in my life or career. But uh, and there are some struggles in, in, in a lot of things that I do time wise. Uh, but I, I, I choose to go for it. I choose to wake up. In fact, I do make my bed every morning. Uh, like we heard that quote earlier and then Jordan Peterson kind of uh, reiterated it. Um, I, I kind of try to get it. Uh, a routine, uh, kind of like in jujitsu, the fundamentals, you want to be in certain positions in, in the safe place, but the techniques are your tools to get to the position. So the, the routine is kind of helps you know, the techniques, but at the same time, uh, you do got to fly on the wind of your pants sometimes in, in situations just like jujitsu where 
there might be some type of uh, hindrance or or uh, uh, some uh, issue that you have to address. And so you might not go as smooth as you want to, but the routine does help a lot to keep you motivated. Um, you know, procrastination sometimes is my best friend the motive and the best motivator, but um, but yeah, it's just the, the life that I've chosen. It's, um, it's exhausting, but it's very satisfying. Did you learn a lot of those keys to just self-discipline and motivation through, I know you started as a wrestler and you, you excelled in that. Was that something that you learned from doing that? Or was that something that you've just always had and naturally gravitated towards things that that benefited you in? Why not both? Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I mean, I think wrestling uh, definitely built the character that uh, as far as the embracing the grind, if you're a wrestler that, that, uh, embracing the grind has a, a, a different meaning, uh, a special meaning. Uh, you know, we'll do things that will make a, gil- a belly go puke because we know that is less, uh, I guess, harmful or less damaging than that loss out in the middle of the mat with everybody watching you. There's no quarterback to blame it on. There's no uh, uh, offensive line. There's no, you know, uh, missed tackle it's 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 just you out there now you you got your team and yes everybody's with you from all the training but in that whatever mistake whatever bad call whatever it's just you so there's no real excuses and i mean yes anybody can make an excuse but deep down in, in, inside the only one that you can look at is you so um wrestling embracing the grind doing everything you need to do to be successful um and, and that's everything at, at no limits and wrestling would make you know, yeah, the miserable, uh, you know, kind of uh, welcomed. You know, uh, we know that if it sucks, it's going to it's going to help us. At least that's what it, it, I guess, instilled or grinded into us. Now, I'll tell you, there's the old ways of wrestling and the way things, and then there's the modern and, and science and the way things are. Sometimes you have to take the old ways out so that you can learn the new ways, such as some of the weight cutting or some of the overtraining and, and, and different things that, you know, uh, we let the experts help. But uh, so sometimes you have to tell a wrestler to stop and slow down because you might be doing too much. And that sometimes is uncomfortable to relax. It's uncomfortable to sit there and like, well, I got to be doing something right now. But you are, you're letting your body recover. But because of that and still, oh, I, I, I when I ran for judge uh, 2015 and 16, it was 2016, but 2015 and 16, um, I don't think people realize how hard I, well, how hard I, I uh, not only worked, but um, that I was willing to do. I did things, I went places, and I, I, I went everywhere. Um, I think there was five meetings in one day to go to all throughout uh, Cuyahoga County, and they said, if you can make at least three, you know, you should be good. I made all five. <laughs> you know, I'd go from one side uh, on, the, on the east side uh, of Cleveland and Solon and drive all the way within you know, that, uh, that day to, uh, to Westlake and, and all the way over to the West side. So, and you're looking at me f- half hour, maybe 40 minute drive, depending on, you know, uh, the time and, and uh, traffic. So yeah, yeah, I would, I sat out in the projects and talked to certain people, went out to Westside market and handed out fly or, 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 or info about me. I talked and shook hands, you know, all those different things. And where people were going home uh, early, I was trying to just do that extra. So that wrestling is really what did it. And, and, and that mentality of, 
of doing what you have to do. No, I didn't go wrestle anybody for running for judge and I didn't go uh, put anybody in an arm lock or anything like that. <laughs> but the work ethic that came out of it, um, yeah, it's uh, it's something that I, uh, it's invaluable. Um, my, my son's wrestling, anybody else who, who ever talks about, you know, whether their, their children uh, should get into wrestling. And now even with girls, I, I'm, I'm all for it because of uh, the way that it changes uh, the way you think in, in your mind. I think wrestling and law school are two things that, uh, of course, my, my parents and, and, my, and my upbringing, but are two big things that really kind of manipulate or change the way that I view life and, and, and this world. I think that's awesome, man. What was it that attracted you to law? Like, so talk about that journey because, you know, I know wrestling probably slowly led you down a path to eventually going to jujitsu, which we, we can definitely talk about. But I think that you're interesting because you're literally almost like what people think about with a fight club. Like, you know, the guy like literally like they're punching each other in the face and choking each other in the morning. And then it's like at court with the tie. And like, do you, do you show up with like black guys and things like that? And people are like, ah, like, are you known as like the, you know, the fight club judge or the fight club lawyer of Cleveland? Well, the first thing, first rule of fight club is that we don't talk about fight yeah. club. <laughs> no, um, no, yeah, I have came with black eyes or scuffed up face or stuff like that. And I did, uh, I would say earlier in, in, uh, in my career, uh, was in the cage with the guys and like the Forrest Pest and Jeff Cox and Dan Bobush. Those are some of the earlier, you know, old school strong style. And then we've got, you know, the Just Guys and, and Stipe's and Brian Rogers, stuff like that. And other guys that I'm not mentioning now at the uh, more current time. Um, but uh, I would say I, I didn't know really what I was going to get into when I went into college. Um, I just wanted to be a wrestler. You know, I wrestled in a state tournament three years and the finals twice. I uh, placed twice. I, um, that's all I thought I was going to do. In fact, I thought I used to say I was going to be a uh, fat wrestling coach with six sons and hopefully get all six state titles. You know, I got one son. <laughs> uh, no, no more, uh, no more sons as far as uh, that wrestling. Um, and then I grew up in, in, in uh, in college and, and there's a couple things that um, had happened that got me into uh, motivating to go into law school. But the first time I thought about law school was a friend of mine, uh, Dave Walbacher, who also wrestled with me and also went to law school. I actually graduated uh, two years before I did uh, over here in, uh, in Cleveland Marshall uh, College of Law. And he had talked to me about going to law school and, and uh, because I never really had any kind of direction or path I was going to go my uh, first, uh, you know, freshman and sophomore year. And then I started to grow up and realize hey, I actually got to do something in life. So he talked me into doing uh, going to law school or actually he, he talked to me at looking at the entrance exam, the LSAT. So I looked at the LSAT and then I looked at one portion of it, uh, which was the games at the very end. And it's, that's and I'm, I'm going to make up this question on my head. It's probably nothing like it, but just to kind of give you an idea, because we're talking years ago, if you have a line of 10 people and each person has a color, one is red, two is blue, three is yellow, all the way down to 10. And so then the question would be, if, if red or if three is red and, uh, and four is blue, you know, what color is seven if you change the blue into pink? And I'm like, what the heck is this? 
like how am I supposed to know that, you know it's, they're making stuff up and so I was like nah I ain't doing this and then I never did it until something happened my uh, last year of uh, uh, undergrad that you'll have to read the book or I'll talk to you uh, over a beer uh, on some other times and not on this podcast uh, <laughs> that really changed my life and uh, if it wasn't for that you know something in my I always say and I, even, I think last time I told you I write in a book I, this book I've been writing is things that happen in my life and I just put it down and I just start writing I think I wrote about 10 pages 10 to yeah 10 plus pages uh, over the uh, the the week that I was in Vegas uh, for CPA's fight because we were quarantined and nobody, we'll talk about that later, but we could do it. So, um, and, and uh, it's a lot of things that had happened that got me to where we're at. And the one, I guess, one uh, theme is uh, this failures that we look at, the disappointments, um, things that happen to us that we look at it on its face. And it, 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 uh, it appears a failure, but it's more of a facade. It's really a transition to another opportunity. And so when you look at it that way and try to do a positive uh, approach uh, uh, in life, I think it, it helps you um, at least kind of figure out what it is you're going to do because uh, you got to have that path. You know, if you don't know in jiu that you need to be in side control, you're never really going to think about pass the guard. So I didn't even know what I needed to do. And then something motivated me, like I got to do something. And again, uh, you know, it's... Um, uh, things in life that we we look at that it can either bring us down or we can look to say, well, you know what, it's putting me in this direction. So uh, I've happened a lot of times where I end up going where I think I'm going to go for a submit or I'm going to get, somebody's going to try to get the submission on me. And next thing you know, I got their back or their neck and I don't even know how it happened there, but <laughs> kind of let instincts take over. You know, you got to trust yourself. You got to trust your instincts in jujitsu. And in life, I mean, you have to have that fundamentals and the foundation so you don't make a mistake, but you do got to trust yourself and you got to let go of that security sometimes so that you can get to a, a better position. And yeah, I need to take my own advice sometimes too. That's a great point. You know, it's, um, I forget who I was reading about, but I was, I was listening to somebody talk about training recently and they were talking about how the guys, man, I wish I could remember. I'm going to look it up, but there was somebody that was like a, a, a big name in jiu-jitsu and they were talking about like, how do you get better? How do you train? And it was all that. It was like, you know, the guys that are the best that are constantly trying to just win every minute of every single match versus like backing off and, and understanding like the gym is my practice room, get put in bad positions, start in bad positions, work your way out. Like, although you might not be able to say like, I won every minute of every round of the gym, three, four, five, six months go by. And now you're like a way better, more well-rounded martial artist. And, you know, I, I think it's exactly like you said, it's hard sometimes when you know, you're training with a guy and, you know, if you go to a certain position, you'll, you're comfortable there. So it's not always easy to, you know, and then you have like the, the ego is a big part of that. So it, it's hard. You know, I, I find a lot of people know what to do, but implementing that is a completely other thing. Like people know how to eat healthy, but the lines around the drive-thrus and McDonald's are, are always crowded. Like everybody knows it's bad for you. Like, you know how to lose weight, but you know, people just don't want to do that. And I think again, you're the reason I love talking to people like you is because the excuses are gone. You know, it's like, hey man, I, I'd always love to write a book, but I don't have time for that. It's like, well, you definitely could have used that excuse. Like, hey man, you know, I'm, I'm training a guy for a world championship. I'm competing myself. I have my gym, I'm an attorney and you're still finding ways and time to write a book. So I just love that. I feel like that mindset and that work ethic, like you said, will make you excel at anything you do, which is like the essence of this whole podcast. So I, I love every part of that, man. 
Yeah, I, I think, um, well, this book, it's something that, you know, I, I say a lot, just it's my own life thing that I pour, pour in. I, I things people have probably heard every story or things that I put in that kind of put a little more explanations. But I, if I keep saying it and I, and I keep doing it, eventually it, I'll get it done. Uh, I'm probably a couple hundred pages now uh, uh, down. And, you know, it's not something that I'm like, all right, I got a deadline. I'm going to do it by this time. It's something that I just add on, add on. And it went from a kind of a, um, uh, kind of a mental, you know, strategy, jujitsu, uh, uh, competition, trial, uh, kind of philosophy to almost a, a life journey and a reflection on uh, how I got to where I'm at right now. You know, I wake up every morning thinking, how did I get here? You know, both my parents were uh, migrant farm workers. They, they pick cotton, corn, tomatoes, cucumbers, everything you can think of travel from Texas to Wisconsin to Ohio, Michigan, wherever it is that the, uh, the produce was, you know, was growing and, and the seasons. And to, to think back of the struggles they did. And then my mom and dad uh, uh, decided to stay in Ohio cleaning uh, trash cans and toilets at a university as custodial workers and janitors just to like, give me opportunities. So yeah, I wake up every day thinking, how did I get here? But you know, at the same time, I never really thought that I, I never thought I wasn't going to go to college. I never thought I wasn't going to go get a job. I never thought, you know, everything was like, it, I, I was so naive to think that I could do it, that I did it. So is that really naive or is that really just, you know, I, I, you, you look at everything positive, then yeah, you might be wrong. But if you look at it negative, the only thing you're doing in negative is you're preparing yourself for the, so that it's a little more easy to tolerate. I talked to somebody before about, and part of my book that I started is uh, believing in yourself and 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 the power of that. You know, if I were to go against my kid brother, nah, he's a lot bigger than me now, but <laughs> when we were kids, I mean, I, it's my kid brother, right? My kid brother's gonna beat me up. But even my son, my son's probably a world champion. The guy's, you know, uh, he's 16 year old tamping out brown belts at adult advanced tournaments. I mean, he's he's really that good. And uh, he just took second at the state tournament in, uh, in wrestling lost in double overtime so you he lost in the state finals four to four it's kind of it's hard to swallow but but yeah he's um and, and you know all these different things that you know hopefully i can you know through my um you know experiences can kind of develop you know for him and, and i have two girls who you know are, are have a lot of uh, goals and things in, in, in their future and so if i can kind of do any kind of influence or anything on, on them too as well. Um, but yeah, it's, you got to keep telling yourself these things. And if you're more positive, there's a better chance it's going to happen. Um, Emil Fisher, <laughs> I had a conversation with him once a while ago. He's different now um, as far as in his belief, but I used to say about believing in yourself and being confident will help you be better at, at whatever you're doing. It doesn't guarantee you a win, but it puts you in a better situation to win. And of course, the contrarian that he can be. Uh, he's well. I feel better when you know when I'm when I think I'm going to lose, and I've won more matches when I thought I was going to lose. And I think, well, I think it may help you cope with the stress. It may help you cope with the pressure at the time, but it doesn't make you better. If you start thinking you're losing, you put that in your mind that you're going to lose. You know, you, there's the chance, generally speaking, that you're going to, you know, uh, make that you know come into fruition. If you start thinking you're going to win, 
and you're positive you're gonna win and you go out there and you lose, you get crushed in your heart because you are so the win. If you think you're gonna lose and you lose, the only thing you've done is you've managed your feelings so that you don't feel so bad when you lose. Well, I knew I was gonna lose anyways. I'd rather be crushed and have a better opportunity to win than save grace or save, you know, well, I was gonna lose anyways and all that. I, I When I went against Gary Tonin, I never really thought I was gonna lose. You know, I never thought, and in, 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 you know, who, who, well, who he was. I didn't even want to know, et cetera. And, you know, he just uh, came off this, well, he had, uh, well, he had the, uh, the big match that kind of uh, put his name on with, with, uh, with Cron um, uh, Gracie. And then he had some other big matches. And then he's, you know, so yeah, I never really thought much about it other than I was going to go out there and win, you know, and I, I, I didn't win. And we went, he had a really good match, uh, went into overtime and, uh, then he ended up catching me in overtime. And you know, they have we had our fun. Uh, yeah, Dude, it was good match, man. That was a great match. Did, did you watch it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, it was. You know, uh, but um, at the same time, you know, and I was disappointed. Uh, you know, but I went in there to win. And I, if I went in there thinking, "Oh my God, I'm going against Gary Tony," this and that, you know, in my mind is like he's going against Pablo Castro. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. Yeah. Now, now he's got now he's a lot better. Well, no, no, that but. And he's doing well, actually, in MMA, I, I've, yeah. I, I've seen. Uh, but yeah, so having those positive feelings are really going to help you. And Yeah, I think, you know, I heard that saying, fake it till you make it. I think fake it till you make it is, I think if you look at it, fake it not just to everyone else, fake it to yourself. Convince yourself that you're that good. You know, if, if you have to, if you want to call it fake it or whatever, convince yourself, fake it, that you're good. Up to the point where you realize you're good. And... Yeah. Again, uh, next time you're in town, we'll grab a beer and I'll uh, I'll, uh, I'll show you how I, I faked it to make it to become <laughs> the youngest magistrate here in Cleveland Municipal Court. If you have been kicking yourself that you didn't start investing in real estate sooner, whether you're beginner, intermediate, or advanced, any way you're looking to get it on a residential, commercial, land development, wholesaling, fix and flips, whatever it is, let's find a way to get you involved in some projects, get you some properties, whether you want to sell some properties to me whether you want to buy some properties from me, whether residential, fix and flip, cash flow, multifamily, whatever it is you're looking for, let's figure out a way to get you involved or find a way for us to partner up on some deals. Go to www.nicknicknick.com. Go on the consultation tab and figure out how to schedule an appointment to talk about where you fit in if you are not sure. Or you can just reach out to me on any of my social media channels. If you go on www.nicknicknick.com slash links, you will see all the different ways to connect with me and figure out how we can start to work together, make it happen. Everybody that invests in real estate always just says they wish they did it sooner. Best time to start is today. I love that, man. I, I think that that's awesome. You know, you, you bring up a lot of really interesting points. Um, you know, I, I did something similar. I, I recently told this story to somebody, but I got my real estate license in New York City 15 years ago now at some point, I don't even remember know when, but I was like, this is a waste of time. Like I, I'm, I'm, it's such a rat race. It's crazy. I was like, I got to do something different. And there was this, uh, this firm on Lexington Avenue and they were looking for a VP. So I applied for it and the guy called me and he, and I was like, I was surprised he called me, but he was like, Hey, I'm, I'm really just calling to find out what made you think you should apply for this. He's like, you have <laughs> no qualifications. You have like no background for this. Like, why would you? And I was like, I just figured I'd give it a shot. You know, I, I know I can do it. I know I'd be good at it. Like, you just have to give me a shot. And he was like, I like it. Let's do it. You know, but it's kind of that thing is I was like, <laughs> yeah. well, you have nothing to lose. But, you know, I think in business and in life in general, what you're saying is really important because I think people lean on a crutch of it was never going to happen anyway. And 
I grew up with that. And I think I have a little bit of that in me where the back of my head, even, even like today, after having so many things go well, you know what I mean? Like with jujitsu tournaments or business, like when the phone rings, I immediately go to, oh crap, this is, this deal's falling apart. This person's calling with terrible news. And I'll like hit the climb. Like, I'm not ready for that now. And then I'll ask my partner and she'll be like, well, I mean, has that guy ever called you with bad news? And I'll be like, no. She'll be like, so why would you think, like every conversation you have with the guy's great, great conversation and it's always positive. So why do you, and I'm like, I don't know. Like, but it's some of those trainings where it's like you said, I think if he gets on it, he goes, look, man, you know, the deal's dead or the money fell through or whatever. You start to go, I knew it. I knew it. Like, that's exactly the, this wasn't, you know, and it takes some of the sting out, but it also, you know, it takes away from that journey. And I think it takes away from you putting yourself out there and, you know, the whole man in the arena quote. And I know you're, we were talking a little bit about that right before um, we started recording about like the Stipe thing. Like, you know, you go out there and you, you have the highest of highs and the lowest of lows, but like going out there and putting it on the line and writing a book and, and doing a podcast and, and competing on the world's highest level against the Gary Tonins and all those guys, like nobody can take those experiences away from you. And anybody that's going to criticize you for going in there and like losing never had the balls to go in there and compete or put themselves on the line anyway. They never accomplished anything. They never even attempted anything because they were so scared of failing or so, so scared of like the criticism that was going to come with it. And I, you know, it's, it's a sad reality of life that there's so many critics and not as many people that'll go in and just try things because of fear of failure. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's funny though, because, you know, we did Gary Tonin a couple of times and, and I lost to Gary Tonin. Um, I, uh, Carlos, or I some other guys that I've, uh, I've competed against and, uh, Club Luciano Costa, uh, I beat him in the, in the finals at Worlds. In the semis, I had uh, beat Jackson McVicker, both of them multiple world champions. Uh, Club, uh, or uh, Carlson was junior. Uh, I've, I've had some pretty good uh, uh, opponents. But the most, yeah, when I lost to Gary Tonin, I think I got more students out of that <laughs> than all the wins on the other ones. So, and I think, you know, the match, and you've seen the match and some of the, so it was, um, yeah, if you look at, you know, every failure isn't a failure. It's just a transition to something else. Um, yeah, and, and, and you look at, you know, Stipe's fight, and we talked about this earlier. Um, you know, and I could be wrong on this one. And I said that before. Only before, before him, it's only been a couple people that have won it two times consecutively. And I think won the title at heavyweight three times overall. I don't know if that was Randy Couture, or, I'm not sure, but, but three times. Um, Stephen won it six times. And he won it three times consecutively, which is the highest uh, record. He, you know, he's in a business uh, where you know, he, there's a lot that anything can happen. And at heavyweight, you know, where you're, you're, you're swimming with big fish and, and if you think you're not going to get wet at all, uh, you're, <laughs> especially at the heavyweight division with those big fish. So the fact that he went six and two in world title fights, not even talking about just the, his total career, um, that's pretty impressive. And so, yeah, you're going to get caught here and there. And, and I, I have no qualms of saying that uh, at least, I mean, we've had some really good camps, but this is one of the best camps we had. I know the outcome didn't happen the way we wanted to, um, but that's the nature of this business, especially at the heavyweight. But we had one of the best camps, and that's one thing I, I love about Stipe is he's one—he's the epitome of what you call student and learning. You know, heavyweight champion, you know, so, you know greatest of all time, uh, all these different accolades, all these different successes, 
and he's still learning. And I wish we could have seen a little bit on his ground because we were going over chokes and back takes and, and different things that I like to do. And he was, because he comes from a wrestling background too, he was really absorbing it. And it was, I mean, even more so, we got, you know, put a little more time uh, into it. Um, but, but yeah, this was, it, the outcome of that did not take away from the camp, did not take the experience that I, I had with the team and with Stipe. Um, and yeah, it was, it was a really good uh, camp and uh, we had really, uh, that was the success right there. So yeah, we didn't get the outcome, but this will branch out to, you know, bigger and better things for, for him and for all of us. It is crazy what a, I, I think the average person, which, you know, p- people who have fought, people who compete, people who are around the train, they're not the people that are going to be on there like, you know, criticizing or giving their Monday morning quarterback. It's the people that really have no idea. But I think the average person has no comprehension of what that food chain actually looks like when you think about like the level that you have to be at to compete in the UFC. And then the level you have to be at to be a UFC champion, like, Though you really are, I mean, it's 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 a cliche term, but a game of of inches, a game of millimeters, you zig when you should have zagged with those freaking four ounce gloves, man. They're they're so unforgiving. And then he had to fight in that tiny cage where the, I mean, there, there's so many other things that go into it, man. And it's you know, you, you put yourself out there, and it's it's guts and glory at the end of the day, you know. But you know what the the experience going into that. How different was it leading up to a huge title fight like that of like, you know, everybody wants to see the heavyweights fight, you know what I mean? It's like, a, you know, the old times in Italy in the Coliseum, but leading up to it now with no crowd and with everything going on with COVID and, you know, no press conferences and all that kind of stuff. How different is it competing and fighting and training for, for that experience versus with the crowds and all the way it used to be? Did you find pros and cons to it? Oh yeah, it, it's very different. Um, uh, well, just the COVID uh, in general, um, it, it allowed us to um, to have a little more personal training one-on-one with Stipe. In fact, I would, you know, um, we'd have uh, where we train at his house or we go different places, et cetera. Um, and then we, we would have to go to the gym for the cage and, and, and that aspect. Uh, aspect. But, um, and then going into the fight, um, so that was a little more, hands-on at least the feeling was uh, a lot more family oriented and close-knit or we really got close um but at the at the fight it's it's really different um it can be good because of the not having as much pressure feels almost like a practice but some people feed off of that energy too and and it's hard to explain the energy that you get from a usc I've, i've been to a lot of mma fights i've been to a lot you know uh i've been usc bellator um but there's nothing like walking, you know, waiting for the countdown, you know, I got the cameras on you and then they say go and then, or they go, you know, count down backwards from five to one. And then all of a sudden you hear, uh, you know, uh, uh, Machine Gun Kelly come on with his song and then you hear the little intro and uh, Cleveland Till I Die. And then you walk down and you hear the roar of the crowd from, it's like jumping in the pool. I, I got water reference today, I guess, but you go from, quiet 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 to a roar and then it just turns on and then then from there it's kind of a blur because i have to actually watch the fight afterwards just to remember the fight because you're so in tuned into what's going on you know in there that you don't have time to kind of watch um so yeah it's uh uh when you didn't have that and you came in and kind of quiet it, it takes a little bit of that edge away which could be good and bad um 
we were prepared because we uh, we had the fight with uh, with DC uh, there too. So it wasn't the first time that it was kind of quiet like that. Uh, so it wasn't anything that we weren't ready for. But it is it is a lot different. And you know when we talk about the nerves, and I've said this to people about just before you go be, uh, before a match or or a fight, uh, you get these you know anxiety, some nerves, or some called fear, or scare, butterflies, whatever you want to call it. Uh, what it is is it's, it's these chemicals in, in your in your in your body and your brain that are are going off and and, and with your um, yeah, adrenaline and all the different hormones that are preparing your body for war, and they're getting everything. You know, fear is, is more of a negative term, but getting prepared, getting you know, your 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 eyesight stronger, your 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 muscle you know, fibers are, are are faster, your your everything. Um, the, the problem is, is it can burn you out if you, you overload, but it, and it also causes things in your head to start thinking, I'm doubting myself. I'm, uh, I'm not confident I'm going to lose. And, and it's okay to have those feelings as long as you realize what it really is. Uh, it's just your body, uh, uh, kind of, uh, preparing itself for war. And when you start to kind of overthink those, those feelings, also you can convince yourself that you're going to lose. But when you think, okay, I know I'm feeling all this doubt, all these reservations, but really it's just my body reacting. Uh, no different than if I had to sneeze or I had to itch. I don't, you know, it's there's something that my body's just kind of reacting to it. And then you kind of go with it. Um, if you're sweating, you don't sit there and thinking, oh my God, why am I sweating so much? I, I'm going to lose. No, your body's just naturally sweating. But part of that is also the hormones that go, with the adrenaline and everything else that are preparing. And I just say that, you know, when you look back at it, you know, it's this like, why am I doing this? And it's like, it's almost like the worst feeling in the world. And you go out into the mat or the cage or the mat, and then they say, come botch or fight or go or whatever it is that they do. And then it goes away. And it's just you and the other person. It's almost the purest form of meditation where you block everything out other than, you know, the breathing and the breathing in here or fists and knees coming at you. So, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a blur. And then afterwards, you look back at it when it's over and you look back at that feeling. That wasn't the worst feeling in the world. That was the best feeling in the world. And like, when do we do it again? You know, uh, and that's, you know, kind of when you look at it that way, remember how it's going to feel afterwards instead of how miserable it feels then because it's just your body getting itself ready. And then when you get in, game's on and you remember why you did it all. So uh, yeah, those, uh, that adrenaline can help you. It can hurt you. And that's one thing that I think was missing in that, in that crowd is that, is that kind of roar rush. So. That's great, man. You gave me goosebumps talking me through that whole thing. It's it's interesting. I've, I've heard Shel Sonny talk about it a lot, but he he's always saying how when guys go and they lose fights, sometimes like he'll talk to them afterwards and they'll say, you know what? I knew it wasn't going to be my night because I walked out to that cage and I wasn't scared at all. And it made me sloppy. You know, I was taking risks. I wasn't, you know, so people people assume that that's a bad thing, but it's like you said, it it can keep you sharp and and it's like a roller coaster. You know, when you're going up, you're going, oh, what did I do? What did I do? And then it comes down. And when people go and they get off, the first thing they do is like, when can we do that again? Yeah. And you know, I'm that feeling versus the regret of not doing it has what's it's what's been driving me my whole life. Because you know, yeah. like I'll even set alarms. Like when I was getting ready for the golden gloves, I remember I would set because it was like three, three minute rounds. So I was setting alarms for like 12 minutes throughout my day, and it was like that would have been the fight. That would have been a fight. That would have been the fight. That would have been like, whatever it was, it would have been over in 12 minutes and it might be the worst 12 minutes. I might, you know, humiliate myself, but how am I going to feel for the next five, 10, 15, 20 years 
knowing that I let like 12 minutes of fear dictate the next 20 minutes of my uh, 20 years of my life. And, you know, I, I think it's, you know, nobody's ever going to go back and, and wish that they didn't take more chances in life. And that's, you know, I think it's a shame when they do, you know, I, for Matt, Sarah, you know, Stipe, everybody at some point work off of that, of like, you know what, like you went out there, you, you do it, you try it. And if it doesn't go your way, like at least you're sitting on the rocking chair, you know, decades from now going, man, like I, I, I did it. I tried it. I put it out there. You know, the, it's like, again, that old man in the arena thing, you know? So um, how is that experience with being able to handle those nerves and those mental blocks helped you in the courtroom that you might've learned on the mat? Oh, it's, there's, there's, in fact, I've used jujitsu in my analogy of doing the trials when I was a prosecutor and jury trials. So I use analogies uh, with that. It's, it's the same thing. You're, you're, you're getting your, your, your nerves, your preparedness, your, you know, uh, I, I don't know if I got nerve and, and I didn't feel the way I felt like before a wrestling match, before a jujitsu uh, match or a fight. Um, I felt the nerves. I felt the going in there, but it wasn't, it wasn't the same. It wasn't as intense. Uh, maybe some people who have never fought before, this is the, as intense as it gets. Uh, it's still a competition. It's still very competitive. Uh, of course, you got to remember what you're doing there, and that's trying to to serve justice and, and to make sure the rule of law is uh, handled appropriately. And as a prosecutor, of course, you're trying to get the conviction. Uh, as a defense, trying to get an acquittal, or you're trying to get the best deal for your client. Um, but yeah, I, when you're in there and you're in the zone, and I'm, you know, you're telling the story, and and, and you're, you're you're telling a story uh, with a theme of uh, to get a uh, a verdict uh, in your favor, and so. Sometimes it's, I mean, yes, the evidence is really the, the crust of it all, but sometimes it's the way that you tell the story that's going to be received a, a lot better than, than somebody that, that doesn't know how to tell, tell a story and, and, and develop their theme. So you are, there is techniques and there is a lot of things in, in everything you do. It, it's funny, I, um, I, I always look at the, at, at the fine point techniques. I, I used to draw, I, I still draw um, um, when I was a kid. In fact, I thought I was going to be an artist when I, when I grew up. That was one of the things. And my drawing was, wasn't bad. I, mean, I had a natural talent for it, um, but, it um, but it wasn't as, as full potential because I just used my, my, my talent, my instincts of what I could do. I didn't have any kind of formal training. And then my girlfriend uh, bought me um, some watercolors over the, 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 the pandemic uh, when we were the lockdown, the initial. And um, so I started, um, you know, uh, trying to work, learn watercolor, but I don't know how to watercolor. So what I went, I went on YouTube and I looked at some kind of technique. I had the, the talent because I knew I could draw uh, with uh, drawing pencils, et cetera. I love to sketch, um, but I started learning the techniques and then I started learning the shading and the moving with the watercolor. Next, you know, I actually not, not too bad watercolors. I got a couple mural, murals, a couple uh, sceneries. And then when I went and I started to go back to drawing that I did know how to do. And I went and I looked up the techniques at the drawing. And then what I did is I started working on the shading. It's similar to watercolor and, and the layers and all that. And now I, I'll, I'll actually, after this podcast, I'll send you some of the pictures that I've, that I've, uh, I've drawn. Uh, and uh, so then it, it, I thought with that, well, now I'm, you know, I, I've always wanted to play guitar. <laughs> So I got to do it. I went on YouTube. I looked at the techniques and then I used my talent or whatever it is. I'm, okay, I'm not as good as I am drawing on the guitar. <laughs> then I've, I've been writing all my life. Um, 
from a kid, of course, in school, then I, 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 I write for a living. Um, and then I start getting into you know, poetry and, and everything else. And then I thought, well, you know, let me take, let me look at some uh, creative writings, kind of opinions and, 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 uh, and different kind of techniques, because there's technique in everything you do, whether you're swinging a baseball bat, uh, a golf club, or a ballet, or, or whatever it is. So I looked at um, some of the uh, things, and of course, one big key thing, which I, I use a lot, not just positive talk, but um, you want to show them, not tell them. And that's when you write a book, you want them to create it in their own minds, a picture. So show them, not tell them. And that's something that, so, you know, everything you do, whether in a courtroom, whether on, on a mat or in a cage, you know, there's that technique and there's, there's a, uh, a goal that you're trying to accomplish uh, to, for success. So when there's that challenge, it's gonna be excitement, adrenaline, everything else. Fighting and wrestling, prepares you for all of that. So I do feel that in the in a trial, I, I kind of miss doing trials because now I hear the trials because I'm on the bench <laughs> versus, you know, trying to uh, convince somebody. Um, and, and you get those, but um, there's there's nothing like being across the, uh, the other side of some big built up muscle guy that wants to rip your head off and you got to figure out a way to win. So yeah. Um, I feel that in the trials, I feel that in, in different meetings or different talks or, you know, just before, you know, even before coming in here, like, you know, what are we gonna have a conversation on? Although, yeah, we're friends, so it's kind of, you know, it's a little easier, so, but, um, but yeah, I, uh, I feel that in, in a lot of things I do, just manage differently. Yeah, I, I think that that's awesome, man. I, you know, I tell everybody when my friends now are, are hitting me up and they're going, hey, do you think my kid should take jujitsu or take wrestling? I'm like, 100% for exactly what you just said. You know, even if they never become a world champion you know, jujitsu player, it's going to teach them how to manage emotions and face fears better than 99% of the people out there that have never, you know, trained or been in a bad situation where a guy's trying to snap his arm or take his neck and he has to take a breath and find a way to logically find his way out instead of just tapping out and going, no, not for me. You know, I feel like those life skills, like you said, transfer all across the board to everything. And, and, and it allows you to take more risks and take calculated risks. And, you know, one of my favorite quotes I say it all the time is how you do anything is how you do everything. And you're, you're handling all of those things the same way you do on and off the mat. And I, I think it was interesting listening to you talk about the different techniques and now you're learning guitar and you're learning how to draw and you're doing these different types of drawings and stuff. Being a coach, has that taught you how to be a better student in a lot of those other realms? Uh, you know, being a coach, I think I'm just I'm just a higher level student than everyone else. Uh, we all teach each other, and there's some of our some of the questions that are brought into some of the uh, moves that I show kind of lead us into you know different discussions in 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 the class and. And so, oh, let's go with it. Let's try this and let's see where it goes. And then we're learning something. Sometimes I learn something in the class itself. You know, they, they say a lesson requires a teacher and a student, but it doesn't say where the lesson necessarily goes to. Sometimes it goes from the student to the teacher, not necessarily always the teacher or student. And definitely when they both can learn something, it's, it's a benefit. So um, yeah, I've, and even teaching, I, I, uh, I don't know if I told you, I told you this, but I also uh, used to, uh, I was an adjunct professor over at a, a college teaching uh, pre-law and um, paralegal studies. And so I use a lot of the, uh, the lessons I've learned in teaching there into, uh, into the, uh, onto the mat, as well as um, 
you know, my college uh, wrestling career. Um, so I use a lot of things that, that I've experienced and I try to put it together as best as I can to help those. And, you know, there's the guys that will sit there and say, do the, do this move this way, you know, one, two, three, four, you know, and I can tell you, you know, one plus one equals two It's like math, you know, one plus one equals two. It's all, it, it's all you need to know. But then if I tell you what is two plus two equals, you won't have no idea. Only thing you know is one plus one equals two. If I tell you why one plus one equals two, then you'll be able to figure out why three plus three equals six or why two plus one equals three. But if all you know is one plus one equals two and not the reason why. So when I show the move, you also want to know what is that move? What, what is the goal in that move? So that if there's any kind of encumbrance or anything that's stopping us, then we can kind of adapt or adjust because we know what the goal is. And you, we're not deviating too much from, from the fundamentals, but at least, you know, you add lip a little bit with some of the things and so that you get back to the path. Um, I liken it into like, if you're going through uh, a forest uh, that's so dense that you can't see any light, follow the trail. If there's a roadblock on that trail, you can go off the, you know, the roadblock or, or the trail a little bit to go around the roadblock or go over the roadblock, but just keep an eye on the trail. You go too far, you're lost. So the trail is kind of the fundamentals. You can go off just a little bit, but then you adjust. And that's how, that's where you, when you talked earlier about uh, going back to somebody who just wants to win and try their stuff, they never, they're always going without any encumbrance, without any problems. Uh, then put yourself in a problem situation and try to get out of it. And if you don't, then try it again. The only way you know where to iron your shirt is when you find the wrinkles. So you have to find <laughs> the wrinkles in the, in the, uh, in the match. I like, I don't, I'm really wrinkled now, but um, yeah, so that you can actually uh, learn to adjust and then you build and build and then you get comfortable with being uncomfortable, you know, and that's the biggest thing is, you know, you've been there before, you know, if you've never been there before, it's going to be a shock the first time, especially that first time in the competition where it counts. So, dude, I love that wrinkle analogy. I'm going to use that. That's great. <laughs> so talking about training and stuff, um, there's a couple of things I definitely wanted to touch base on. One of them being your breathing techniques. You were the first person I saw talking about Wim Hof and you started making all these posts about like holding your breath and stuff. And since then, I've seen it catch on. Like everybody's posting these videos of them jumping in the ice bucket and trying to catch I've seen that too. slow it down and all that <laughs> stuff. But, uh, but you were the first one for sure. I remember I'm, you texted me and you were like, dude, look him I'm up. Still- I'm still doing it. I'm, uh, yeah, Wim Hof. Uh, in fact, I we contacted um, Jesse. Uh, is it? Oh, I'm going to say his name wrong. Um, he did uh, Jesse Eisler. I, this, the guy oh, that I'm, David Goggins like moved in with for a couple of days. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so, about going to Antarctica and uh, and doing a plunge over there or, or doing a marathon. Um, of course, uh, he's like, I got kids. I can't do that now. Or so. <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't want to misquote him or anything. Um, and then I say, let's go, you know, so we talked about going and, and seeing Wim Hof and then go, he's got where you can get a lesson. You can go there and really just to build a relationship and then, Hey, let's go, let's go do something. Um, you know, of course with steep Ace fight and, uh, and with my son's, uh, wrestling, uh, it, my attention went from running the 10 miles and doing all the, uh, the Wim Hof breathing uh, on there. Well, I still did do it, but um, to focus it on, you know, my son's wrestling in the steep pace uh, fight. Um, yeah, I, I first, one agreement uh, me and my son had uh, before his wrestling uh, this year 
is he, I wanted him to read a, a few books. Um, I got him an Audible um, account. And then there was a couple of books I want him to read, uh, Mental Strategies and Preparation, Positive Intelligence. Um, and then uh, we got to, uh, well, I, I read the Wim Hof, but then we got to Dave Goggins, Can't Hurt Me. And so the, he really connected with that. He read all the other ones, but he really connected with that one. So uh, I remember I was giving him some, I gave him these little middle innovation uh, texts. Uh, and so I was giving him this thing that he was sick about, okay, now it's easy to say, you know, how, how tough we are and how hard we are when we're healthy and when we're feeling good, but now you're not feeling good at all. I mean, yes, listen to your mom with getting better, but let's see how hard you are. Let's see how tough you are. Let's see, you know, now that you're sick, what are you going to do, et cetera. So I give him this whole big pep talk, whatever. And his response back to me is, Dad, can I have some gas money? I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> Did you even hear anything I said? But with that being said, I, I said, ah, look, I'm going to be at the gym. I'm working out and training. You want to come out and then we'll talk. So he comes in there and I, uh, I you know, I, uh, I think I then loaned like a few bucks or whatever. And um, I asked him if he wanted to go roll. A couple of guys are going to go roll. And now he's 17 now, but he was 16 at the time. And yeah, he can hang it. Well, they hang. I don't think the, the adults can hang with him. He's he's that good. <laughs> and so um, I told him, hey, you want to go get some, uh, get a roll in? And he said, uh, um, before practice, he's like, well, let's see. I'm going to do eight uh, these eight miles, and then um, and then I'll see how I feel. Man, that boy had never ran eight miles before. He's he uh, maybe three or four, but he he does run a lot. And he does work out a lot, but not eight miles. So I'm like, mm, okay. So I'm sitting there. I'm getting class. He's still running, and I've just been running for a while and. So I was telling Marcus and uh, and Sean Doggerty, uh, I you know watch him, you know, he's over there running. He said eight miles or whatever. So just before class goes, I go run over to him and I said, uh, "So, um, what uh, uh, or where you at? Just seeing where you know." And he's like, "Oh, because I already did eight miles." Dave Goggins says, "When you meet your full, or when you reach for your limit, then you go twenty percent more." So I'm going ten. Although he didn't do the math right, but he went for ten miles, <laughs> and he did ten miles. I'm like, "Well, okay." So uh, that was on Thursday. This is, sheesh, we're talking maybe August or September of 20. So um, I come in on Friday and uh, training and then I'm like, you know, I think I'm going to go run 10 miles too. You know, my son did it, this and that. Now here's the difference. Other than I'm like a million years old. Um, <laughs> I had surgery, total reconstruction of my ACL one year, uh, September 12th of, of 2019. So this is not even a year. I haven't ran. I haven't done it. Uh, um, I haven't, I mean, I've done therapy and I've, and I've, and I've rolled a little bit, but not run 10 miles on a total reconstruction ACL. It's a brand new ACL. Um, so I'm like, well, all right, I'm going to do it anyways. Cause you know, I'm that smart or idiot or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Um, so I go and then you have the greatest conversations with yourself when you run 10 miles. Um, the first, uh, mile is like, all right, it's pretty good. You know, second mile is like, well, I usually only run 10 miles. That's pretty good for one year and not running, you know, and, and I'm always like, what am I going to tell everybody, you know, that I never told anybody I was going to do 10 miles, but in my head, I'm like, what's everybody going to think? I didn't do the 10 miles that I never told anybody I was going to do. You're always trying to impress everyone else. This is your mind talking. And so then I go three miles and I'm like, this is three is my max. I've never run more than three. That's, you know, I, I went to my max after a year of surgery reconstruction uh, of my ACL. And so uh, 
I'm like, uh, uh, we'll go four. I did four, and I'm like, all right, four is good enough. We get to that four, and then I'm like, you know what? We're going to hit five. We're going to screw this. I, I'm this far here. We're going to go five, and then that's halfway. My, you know, I'm half my son's, or he's half my age, or whatever. That, <laughs> you know, and that five would be good. He's this and that. Then I sit there and I'm like, screw this. Although I didn't use those words, and I said, I just, um, I'm just going to do the ten. And then at five miles and five point seven five miles, the treadmill shut off. And like this, I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me. And so you get in that pace, you get in that pace. I had it like at six seven, so I had a really good pace. And then it's it just shut down so now i'm like and it's kind of like when you run and then you stop like get motivated so now i got an excuse in my head now i can quit and so then i'm like screw this i turned it back on i ran back again then seven and eight <coughs> came a little easier running the seven eight miles was a lot easier than running the two and three miles because <laughs> now my mindset i'm always there now about eight nine my legs started shaking and then ten i was just i was just <laughs> struggling to get done and then i then i did it and then I hurt my knee because <laughs> oh. I went on front. Bad. And I did anything. It just I could feel that it was. Yeah, I could barely. I, I was wobbling. So Sunday comes and I'm like, yeah, let me try this again. I got to five miles and then I could feel something in my knee, so I finished the rest on the bike. And then I couldn't run at all because and now that I put a little bit of stress on the knee, so I start biking. So I end up going like 30 miles one time, I had 40 miles, and you know I just start going crazy on that until I could run again. And then once my knee was better, now I started, I, I tape it and I do the different things now with my knee to prepare it. It's stronger now that I don't need to do that now. But at the time I was building it up, I was doing 10 miles without even training for it. So then I started doing 10 miles at least once a week for, geez, I don't know how long. Um, since the base fight, I hadn't done it as much. Um, I'm going to get back into it, but I would do 10 miles except for Veterans Day. I did 11 miles because it was on the 11th on behalf of uh, Veterans Day. Um, and uh I tell you, the it's uh it's more of a mental challenge than than anything. Then I got into lifting, and when I started lifting, I didn't just go and work on certain things. I just went to my limit. Like I did um, thirty five uh, uh, dumbbells each arm a hundred times each arm, just without stopping. And of course, then I end up hurting that arm. Yeah. <laughs> and there's always like you know somebody asks you, "What are you training for?" You know, are you training your arms, your legs, training for competition. I'm just training for my mind, just kind of push myself. And then, of course, we get into Wim Hof. And I would do the Wim Hof breathing before. And, this, uh, and I don't know if you've researched it, if you looked in here, but, the, but there's a method in how you breathe that causes certain reactions in, in, into your body with, uh, with oxygen and the carbon dioxide that is maintained in your lungs. And it causes all different kinds of uh, hormonal reactions with testosterone, with your endorphins, serotonins, et cetera. And it, it's amazing what it does. It warms you up. Like there's brown fat versus white fat in the cold etc um and i started getting into that i got the i don't know if i told you the highest i got but i got four minutes and 10 seconds of breath hold now when people think wow you hold your breath for four minutes and 10 seconds in the wim hof you hold your breath after you exhale so i held my breath on an empty lung for four minutes and 10 seconds now i didn't do it underwater some people do it underwater um i did it you know uh you know, outside of water. So it's another element that some people do, um, but it's just the breathing method that you, that you can do to, to do that. Now it's not just a one and then you go or blow it out. You have to do the breathing method. And in that method, you, um, 
you start developing all these different kinds of uh, hormones and balances and, and, and it really helps, you know, I, it, at least conditioning. I, I, I try to learn how, I learned techniques on how to run properly. I went and looked it up, you know, but even the breathing where it would have you take certain like three or four breaths in, in each, during each stride, I didn't have to do that as much because I was pretty oxidated, you know? Uh, uh, and then I started doing different challenges. He started doing, or he's got on his app where you do push-ups while you're doing breath hold and how long when you're exerting energy. So um, I decided to kick it up a notch a little bit. So I did a, uh, a grapple, a Wim Hof grappling uh, challenge. <laughs> and so what I did, you have to get the tap though. If you don't get the tap, it doesn't count because you can hold somebody in guard and relax. And then that's not really, you know, so at least a sweep or a move. So I end up, um, I, held, I did the Wim Hof breathing and I held my breath on the exhale. So empty lungs. And then went at it with somebody. I caught him the guillotine and I had to go for the quick one because that's my thing. And then uh, like, all right, we reset. And I went around, I took his back. And as soon as I got his back, it went from like, like not like holding your breath, feeling okay to that what Wim Hof calls the man with a hammer coming. <laughs> but you start like, you start feeling that. And then I, I ended up holding it to about a minute, 17 seconds. Um, then I couldn't go anymore than that. But that was rolling, exerting without any oxygen. That was that was pretty insane. It, it, you do get that panic and that real quick. Cause and luckily when I, I you know got that that point, I had his back. So then I was like, all right, you know, I let it go. And then we put the the clock to time it. Just different little challenges just to challenge yourself mentally and and, and you know kind of wake you up a little bit. You know, I think not that I'm killing myself, but the closer, but, but the more you realize, I guess you feel more alive the closer you are to death. <laughs> and so I'm not saying I want to die or anything like that, but at the same time, I kind of want to live. And, and after a certain point, you need a little more stimulation. Yeah. But that being said, I, I, I have no problem being bored all day doing nothing on one day because I do so much every other time. I love that, man. I'm, I'm going to, that's going to be my takeaway from this is I'm going to go start to look up some of the, like the beginner Wim Hof stuff, because it sounds uh, on top of just the physical stuff that it does for you. I a thousand percent relate to that mental challenge of just like 30 more seconds, one more half mile, one more step. One, I can go to the corner. I can go to the next corner. Like, you know, that's, that, that's anything. I know Mike Tyson's talked about it before when they talk about like boxing. And he's like, man, if you can do six rounds, you can do eight rounds. If you can do eight rounds, you can do 10 rounds or you can do 10 rounds. You, can do 10, you know, that, that, yeah. that kind of pushes you. But, um, you know, I imagine there's not a whole lot that triggers that emotional panic response that all of a sudden running out of air. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh yeah. And it's definitely, and trying to be calm in there. It's yeah. Now let me put the little asterisk. Wim Hof doesn't want you to hold your breath until you can't hold it anymore. He wants just to feel it and then let it go. And, and that's what I normally do. And I'm competitive. So when you say like, he doesn't want to hold your breath for 10, you know, four minutes, doesn't that like, I am like, you know, at like three forty, I'm like, like really trying to hold it. That's, um, not that's not what, it, you know, for me, that's just my own kind of personal challenge, you know, for my own ego or whatever. But, um, but yeah, it's uh, the method and, and, and it's really a life changer. And I think, you know, I'll have uh, certain moments where just things are just kind of, in my head and I'll just stop and I'll just start doing the breathing. You go, you know, you do 30 or, or 40 uh, uh, in and outs and then you hold it for just to that brief moment and then you take one in, hold it for 15 seconds and then you go three to four. Sometimes I do two 
Um, if I'm rushing, you shouldn't do it while you're driving. I say should, <laughs> uh, because you could pass out holding your breath. You could pass out breathing in like that. So you want to be careful with that. Um, I can't say I'm, that I haven't done it myself, but um, yeah, it's. I'll send you. A, I'll send you the uh, uh, a link that uh, of some uh, info, and then uh, I'll send you um, uh, the app. Cool. But if you get a chance to read his book. There's, he's got a new one out. I haven't read that one, but the old one. And it tells all the science behind it. The guy's very, he's fun. And he, have you ever seen him on, uh, on he's on a podcast with, um, uh, with uh, Joe Rogan. And it's, he's a very fun, I don't want to call him, he's sort of eccentric, but, but a unique individual. And carefree, just, I mean, he's, he's, he's amazing. Yeah. Cool. Definitely somebody who, who's gone through a lot, who's put, who's, put them in deficient is that and and he's loving life so thanks man i appreciate that i'll definitely uh i'll definitely take you up on that and i'll definitely look them up i know you're uh, i know you're a little bit pressed for time so i definitely don't want to let you go without talking about strong style mma um it's such a great place i had a great time coming down there and training with you and i th- i think my my biggest thing i'm gonna give a shout out to pool guy because um I think he connected us initially, him or John Volante, one of the two connected us initially. And I remember, uh, I think Volante or Pool Guy were like, man, go train with Pablo and let me know when you're going to be there because we're going to text Stipe and we're going to have him come down and give you a wedgie. And I was like, yeah, thanks. For <laughs> you know, typical Volante conversation. But um, I remember I called one time and I was trying to get some guys to meet me earlier. And you guys had like a bunch of guys that were getting ready to fight. And it was like, nobody can get up at five because they all train. Like, so I was like, man, this is a legit gym. You guys have like a, a bunch of guys that are competing at the highest levels there. But after we trained, I remember calling up pool guy and being like, dude, like that guy's close to my size. I can't freaking believe how strong he is. And he was like, yeah, man, the guy's been throwing bodies around like his whole life. You know what I mean? Like he's a champion wrestler, champion jujitsu guy. And he's got that Midwest strength. And I remember like it clicked when, cause you and I were talking earlier about, you said, Hey, I wish they would have had, a little bit of ground time so people can see what me and Stipe were working on. And I remember thinking like, I can't imagine what, like if you were 265, knowing how strong you are at like 165, 170, well, how the hell did you get so strong? You know, it's not about strength, but yes, I'm not saying I'm not strong. It's about position. If you're in the right position, you're stronger. So get in the better position. And then when you do this so many times, remember how you, if you remember every role is, your instincts remember it and whether you believe it or not i believe it and your instincts is going to store it somewhere in there your subconscious doesn't know but your 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 i mean your conscious doesn't know but your subconscious has it stored in there so when you have these gut feelings if you trust them it's your memory reacting or your subconscious reacting to tell you know, telling you hints to do certain things and so i trust my gut when i feel comfortable or uncomfortable but i've done this so many times that generally i can kind of predict where somebody's going to go uh, uh, or react and so if i guess right i meet him there rather than wait for him to get there so then it looks like i'm faster because i got there before he got there even though he was the one you know uh, going there and and if you if you guess wrong well, you know worse off but if you guess right it makes you look really really good <laughs> now you ever arm wrestle anybody and i've used this to, example for my sure. uh, students and so when you go in arm wrestling if somebody lines up here and then they start like this on you where they're coming here. They're like, well, 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 you're cheating because you got to keep it straight, right? Now from in here, we see who's stronger. But if I start like this in here and I start going from here, you're, you're going to be like, wait, 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 wait. That's not fair. <laughs> it's the position that makes me stronger. So when you go in jujitsu, 
I go to try to get to the position first so that I can be stronger. And in there, that's where I, 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 I use uh, kind of my positioning and my experience of getting to a place before you or anyone else gets to. Uh, and then if not, then I have to change the position to try to beat you to the other position and get to that because it's about the position or I'll, you know, swing to you or, or, or reposition myself in there. So the position makes you stronger. And then, you know, the, uh, not the anticipation, but the prediction or, or, or kind of like the, uh, your, your, your awareness also makes you faster. And then I also, when I roll, um, you have, uh, you have your focus and then you have what I call like a peripheral focus where if I'm, I'm working on the past, I'm working on the past, but if I see they're leaving their knee uh, uh, either shallow or, or unattended, then I might do a step over and catch a, a, a you know, a, a, a leg lock. Or I may, you know, um, if I see that they're going to do something else, I'll react to whatever. My main focus on one thing, and then I have these little spidey senses that will tell me if there's something else going. So whether I give it value to give it attention or whether I just don't worry about it and I can focus on my own focus. Um, these are things that you have to make those calls when you're out there. And that's the, the calls you make that are either the right ones or the wrong ones. Um, you know, Stipe rocked uh, Naganu uh, just before he got knocked down. I think that was a big uh, uh, catalyst of what happened in there because as soon as he rocked him, then he went to go react and he came with his chin out and his hands down. He just got caught, you know, and how many times were just went by? Like, oh man, like on the first fight they fought, like how many? Ooh, man, thankfully <laughs> this, this one he did, it just happened. So, you know, um, you make these calls and sometimes you're right, sometimes you're wrong. Um, and heavyweight for those punches, it's not as forgiving than if you're in jujitsu. But, um, but yeah, I, uh, I use that. And then another thing I do is try to attach your opponent to your core. So if I have your head in here and I'm working on the guillotine in here, I'm using my arms and my shoulders. But if I bring my elbow in here and I squeeze my lat in here, now if I attach your head like a football onto my lat and to my arm and shoulder, now I'm using more muscles like yoga that you don't normally use just by a simple movement on the guillotine, bringing, attaching my core and bringing the elbow down, which tucks your chin down. If I focus your chin to your chest, Everything else happens. So yeah, I'm moving your head and your neck, but just focus that one little focus or focus on that. And you focus all on that, it does everything else. If you try to focus on the whole head, it's sometimes too much for your for your body or, or mind to, to even think. Um, I, I usually kind of I uh, use that kind of uh, uh, philosophy to, yeah, I mean, I'm a little guy going with these big monsters that come in there that Marcus makes it even bigger with all this, you know, his uh, fitness and, uh, and conditioning. So so I got a, you know, those are my little, um, yeah, little Vaseline on the slide ball, you know, on the, uh, on the slider for, for baseball, as the pitcher does sometimes. You got to just, you got to be smarter, not, not harder. Well, it's exactly like you said, you know, you, you find the technique and everything. And I think that those, those things are really what interests me. You know, like I, I've seen a guillotine, I don't know how many times in the last 15 years of training, but even still, you know, I, I roll with you and you were like, dude, let's work on guillotines. And I'm still finding little things every time after seeing it thousands of times, those little techniques, those little details that you can pick up, just make it tighter and better and more high level. And I think, you know, again, like you said, I think that's kind of like the common theme for the episode is 
Like you're finding those techniques to make you better and make you excel and make you appreciate and relearn in drawing in the courtroom, in the gym, you know, with the, with the writing. And I think that that's, that's what keeps things exciting. That's one of the reasons I love jujitsu versus like boxing where I started out was, you know, I could go into to your gym right now and you literally could invent a new move, a new sweep, a new submission. And that triggers 10 or 15 other things. So I, I like how the, the being a student just never stops because it's always evolving. And, and that, that keeps it exciting for me. I, I think, you know, and, and, and keep it fun. You know, one thing uh, I've seen is success breeds expectations, not only from yourself, but from others. And so the more successful you are, the more expectations that you end up having, you know, for yourself or, or that you feel from others. And then it turns the play, which I use a, a, an a word of why we do all this in the first place, to work. Now, if work is, oh, I got to do it and I don't want to do it versus play where I want to do it. Now you're going to have a lot more with the play. When it comes to work, it becomes a burden, becomes sometimes unmotivated to train. And now it's, it's not a, you're not in there with a positive, a positive or, or a good approach. So, and, and who wants to just come to work and, and it's miserable and you complain about it, this and that. You know, I think it was Alan Watts who said, you know, I promised myself I would never work a day in my life. Find a way to get paid to play. And just remember when you're out there and if this is what you're doing, why are we doing it? We're, we're, we're playing, whether it's a courtroom, whether it's out making, you know, uh, uh, a real estate sale, whether it's a business meeting, whether it, whatever it is, a match or a fight, you know, don't forget why we're there. And if it's work, well, then you're going to have to adjust, you know, your life to be miserable the whole time. But if you can find a way to make fun, make it fun, or if you remember why it was fun in the first place, you know, it, yeah, it's still hard work. And you still, you know, you run all the miles, lift and all the weights and all that. But for a reason, it's so that you can play harder, play better and, and, and keep it fun. And that's the, that's the biggest thing that I think the mistake is uh, expectations really ruin it for a lot of young, you know, uh, young kids in, in sports because dad or whoever's, you know, living vicariously through them. And then it takes away the whole, the kid in them, you know, keep the kid in you, you know, in, in the fight or in the game. Ever wanted to play the drums or do you want to get your kids some drum lessons to burn some of that energy while they are all locked up? Take advantage of a free drum lesson with one of the tri-state area's most respected drummers, Dan LaMagna. Dan Lamagna has played in such bands as Crown of Thorns, Suicide City, Biohazard, The Real Mackenzies, Sworn Enemy, The Walls of Jericho. He has played all over the world and he is also endorsed by such companies as DW, Vader, and Sabian. Dan has taught tons of people from all different age groups and all different music styles. He can teach adults, kids, advanced, beginner, any types of styles from metal, all different types of percussion, whatever style you want. Get a free drum lesson today from Dan, all you need to do is text the word drummer, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to 833-632-0585. Again, text the word drummer, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to the number 833-632-0585 for your free online drum lesson. I love that, man. And again, I know you're tight on time, but this has been awesome. I appreciate you catching up with me. Um, but a few closing questions in here in the Victory Lab, one of them being, what is one of your favorite quotes? Oh, my favorite quotes. Oh, I got so many. It's like, you know, um, the, the enemy, or I, how is it? It's from uh, Voltaire. 
the enemy of good of the good is or the enemy of good is the perfect if you wait for everything to be perfect if you wait for the right time the right place the right everything you'll never get anything done because that will never happen just start it out just do it and then in there you work and evolve and, 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 and you get better at it but if you're waiting, you know, I love how jujitsu, I need to get in shape first before I go into jujitsu. <laughs> <laughs> no, you need to go to jujitsu to get in shape, <laughs> you know, uh, but, but yeah, I, uh, Voltaire, uh, uh, that's one quote I like, uh, I think therefore I am, um, uh, yeah, it's, uh, another one too, I think misquoted uh, a little bit, because I think it's, I'm aware, therefore I am, because your brain is, a manipulator and that's a whole nother discussion that we'll have a whole <laughs> lot about you know perception you know and, and and what we do because that book i actually uh i um had told you uh, to read a while ago too the the four agreements uh by um, miguel, uh, don uh, miguel ruiz you know and and some other ones like uh well you're um um was it uh think and grow rich and you know it's what you believe, what you think, what, you know, everything you do, it's created in your own head. And whether it's your dream or whether it's your reality, whatever it is, it's you creating it. And yes, it's influenced by other people. If you let it influence, it be influenced, but you create your own world, you create your own story. And so, you know, if you don't think you're going to do it, then you're probably right. If you think you are, well, I mean, you got to do more than just think you got to do it, but your brain, you know, really kind of, you know, screws with you if you let it. So take control of it. So, um, but I think the fact that you're, um, you, you see the good and the bad and everything, but if you can stay positive, you can actually, um, you know, you're living life, you know, there's balance in here, the in the yang. And, and I don't know if I can appreciate how successful I am if I hadn't failed before. So when failing sucks, especially when you've been in the top. So you know, there's balance in life. Fair enough. And the, the follow-up question I was going to ask is, knowing what you know now about life and business, what advice would you give a younger you? But that answer almost kind of fits into that as well. Nah, I'm an attorney. So <laughs> somebody tells me one time that I have, uh, we're doing a video. Because I have all the all the battery and all the film. So you just go talk and uh, elaborate and then we'll cut and pick whatever you need. I'm like, all right. <laughs> about halfway in my discussion he's like all right we're gonna have to slow it down i said and close it up i'm running out of battery and i'm like yeah you tell an attorney he can talk all he wants it's like giving a wine or a bottle of wine just tell him <laughs> to get a sip. you could be lucky if you get an empty bottle but you don't get another bottle back but yeah i uh, i just you know it, i let it go and it, and it keeps on going but uh, yeah I, one thing i would i would tell you know and i think nike said it and some other ones just do it you know and uh see what happens Awesome, man. Last question before we go into uh, just where people can find you and how they can work with you is I, I'm especially interested in you because of what you do and on the same path because of Stipe, but how important is identity or having a, I'd say multiple identities for success and other things? So like you hear guys that'll, they'll lose a fight and then they're just crushed because they go, well, if I don't have this, I'm, I'm not a fighter. Like, so, you know, I lost my identity there. If I'm not doing the, the real estate, like so many people couldn't travel to do their public speaking anymore 
because of COVID. And they went, well, that, that's what I did. Who am I now without that? My friends that are in bands, same thing. Hey, I lost my identity. I can't play my instrument for thousands of fans anymore. But you on the mat competing on a black belt level, if you lose, you're, like, you're still an attorney. If you're on the court case and you lose, you know, you're still this this badass black belt jujitsu guy. And, you know, same with Sipa, you know, he is, is going to go down as probably one of, if not the greatest heavyweight of all time. I'm, I'm a huge fan of him. He's got tons of guys out there, but he's also a firefighter, you know, and, and he refuses to, lo- to lose that or, or to quit that as much as it seems like UFC kind of wants him to. Um, what are your thoughts on how important it is on that side of it to have or to have an additional sort of identity to go and try other things? I think, I think Stipe's identity and, and, and my identity is, you know, is, is Pablo or, or Stipe's is Stipe. And then what, and, and the, um, one of the, I guess, descriptives or adjectives or labels would be the fighter champion, the, uh, the attorney or whatnot. But Stipe is a brand. You know, when you buy that, yes, you, you see Stipe and it remains to think of, of, uh, of the fighting and the world champion, but also, you know, that he's a firefighter. And he's also a father, and he's also a husband, and, and he's got so many other, you know, things that you know, uh, you know, with his business and some other things, you know, clothing line, and and so yeah. So when you have, you know, I think the label would be, or your identity is is yourself, and then everyone else is going to, you know, uh, I guess put whatever labels on, on on you that they that they feel. But I don't think I think if you just better yourself and and. and and I think the most important thing really is this your interactions with everybody. Uh, I think it was and I, actually, this is not a, well, it is a quote, but I'm not going to say the quote exactly right. It was an interview that, um, um, that Oprah had, uh, and she was talking about her conversation with Maya Angelou. And uh, she asked Maya Angelou, you know, what, what do you think my, you know, what is my, um, uh, you know, what are people going to remember me about? You know, what is my legacy? You know, and my angel looked at her, you know, or, and she said, you know, is it, is it my magazine? Is it the, the shows, the movies, you know, the books? And my angel looks at her, it's like, you have no idea because your legacy is none of that. Your legacy is nobody's going to remember you for your books. Nobody's going to remember you for, for your, your, uh, your um, talk show. They're going to remember each and every individual interaction you had with someone. And then you were either nice to someone or I remember talking to her and she was a jerk. Or I remember, and those interactions are what people are going to tell everyone. Oh, yes, I met her. This is who I think she is. That's your legacy. So each and every inter- interaction. So Stipe, Stipe, I'm me, and we have things that we've done. You know, I don't think, you know, I don't think you have to do so many things as long as you don't tie yourself or separate yourself to who it is that you are. You know, uh, Nick, you could probably, you know, Let's say something happens and you decide to take a, a change of, you know, of, uh, of career path or something else lines up or something like that. It doesn't change who you are, you know, it's, you're just taking it in a different direction. So uh, I think when you have these big pinnacles, like the heavyweight world champion, all that, and those are going to stay, you, you can't lose that. The only thing is to put former, you know, <laughs> but I, but I um, but yeah, I think if you kind of focus on your interactions and, with everyone else and be a better person for yourself and 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 of course others but uh, mainly yourself um i think you're okay and then uh, the labels or 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 the descriptives or the titles or whatever it is that you've accomplished they'll stay but i don't think they have to be necessarily your identity um yeah your identity is yourself and and how you treat people and, and who you are in this world 
I think that's awesome, man. And knowing a lot of the same people that know you, I never hear anything but great things about you and about Stipe. So whatever you're doing, man, you're, you're definitely creating that legacy for yourself. And that's uh, across the board. You know, people say good things and I know a lot of people that like and respect you. So, you know, I appreciate you're always, uh, you're always keeping in touch with me. You're always great about referring me good books and sending me cool stuff. So, you know, I, I appreciate the friendship and the communication and everything with all the stuff you have going on, man. You're, you're definitely a, a class act and I, I definitely appreciate it. Well, maybe, uh, you know, next time you're in town or maybe I'll uh, head over to New York and uh, we'll, grab a, we'll grab a drink or a bite and then uh, we can uh, finish a, a little more private conversation. I would love that, man, for sure. So in closing, how, talk a little bit about how people find you. If anybody has not been out to Cleveland, it's one of my absolute favorite cities. I have a blast every time I go there. I love going there and training with you guys. But talk about um, if they want to work with you, if you're doing privates, taking classes, coming by the gym. Um, talk strong style and talk, talk uh, working with Pablo. Strong style. Uh, we're on 6900 uh, Granger Road in Independence, just outside, about 15 minutes south of uh, Cleveland, uh, Ohio. Um, the number, if you want to contact there is, uh, 216-521-0271. You can go on, uh, uh www.strongstyle.com. Um, we have, uh, they have the, the schedule and the classes, uh, both gi and no gi. Uh, we have MMA programs, uh, the, the MMA program, even some of the no gi and all that. Um, uh, but the, the whole separate uh jiu-jitsu program is separate from the from mma so you don't have to do actually you can pick and choose just boxing or just or and we have a really big mma program or well mma program we have a popular MMA program we have a really big jiu-jitsu program um and uh if anybody wants to uh you know work privates or, or anything uh contact the gym it's uh, uh at, at the number um uh, i would uh well, they can contact you and then you can give them my number. <laughs> I don't want to put it on the podcast for everyone as far as my number. Um, and, uh, and we can set something up. Uh, if you don't want to get up 5.30 in the morning, uh, we can do it during lunch or we can do it after, uh, after work. So, and then if you want to do as far as groups or if there are any schools out there that want any kind of seminars, um, you know, uh, you can contact it. Hopefully, if that's okay, Nick, they can contact you. Sure. Uh, or, or you can find me actually message me on Facebook. Um, Facebook is Strong Style Brasa or Pablo Angel Castro. And on Instagram, it's uh, Strong Style underscore Brasa, I believe. So you, you I'm, I'm friends with uh, Nick on there. You can find me on as far as uh, both uh, Facebook and Instagram. Awesome, man. And obviously, anybody listening to this, check the show notes and I'll put live links to all the ways to contact you on Facebook, contact your gym and contact you on Instagram. Um, you could message me, I'll link you up or they can message you directly, but they will have those links to directly contact you. I uh, can't say enough good things. I highly recommend that city. I highly recommend your gym and I highly recommend going out and getting some privates with you for sure, because you've helped me a lot when I've been out there. So I appreciate it. Um, any closing thoughts before I let you go? I know I took way too much of your time today, so I appreciate you being patient. Nah, you know, just, um, you know, it's always... You know, watching uh, podcasts like this and, and 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 other ones, and you talk to people like uh, myself and Nick and or Stipe, and you know these are different. You know, you can see examples of things, but you know, the best example is what you see in the mirror. And so, you know, look at yourself every you know every morning, and look at yourself at night, and and you know, I'm, I'm not that Saturday Night Live. You know, I'm good enough, or smart enough, and gosh darn it, people like me. But but as funny as that is believe in yourself and 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 that's that's your that's who your judge is that's who you should you know you should um 
uh, really uh, focus your attention on and don't be hard on yourself because you know you're not perfect i'm not perfect and you know, your judge will be a lot more harder on you than anyone else um but yeah i think um you know uh, you guys are your own perfect example and so create your own story and you know hopefully i'll get to hear uh everybody in the audience who does their own podcast uh, your success story on on this or other podcasts too as well Awesome, man. Well, I love it. And I definitely like to have you back on as soon as you finish that book and um, definitely help promote that as well. So I appreciate it, man. You definitely bring your A-game at everything you do. Again, sorry that it didn't go your way with Stipe this time, but I'm sure he'll be back stronger and better than ever. He's a legend in itself and you are as well. Thank you very much for coming on the A-game podcast today, Professor Pablo Castro. Thank you, everybody. Thanks, Nick. Have a good day, man.